Hi, today we're going to talk about AI and GPT. And I want to start with a quote from the Yuval Harari's book Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow. Great book, by the way. In the 21st century, we might witness the creation of a massive new underclass. People who are not just unemployed, but unemployable. They will be unable to learn the skills of the new economy and will occupy the lowest ranks of the social ladder. The technological revolution will leave them behind, creating a new kind of social inequality never seen before. I call this the useless class. I think that the revolution is happening right now, and the trigger is the recent development of artificial intelligence, large language models, and GPT in particular. The purpose of this podcast is to provide a comprehensive overview of how GPT works. This will make the technology less mysterious and enable you to stay up to date with the latest developments. By the end of this podcast, I will present some advanced experience of how GPT can be used in everyday life. Similar to most other revolutions, it's not always obvious when you are in the midst of it. I think that the recent breakthroughs in LLMs, short for large language models, can be compared to the advent of electricity and the internet forever changing the world we live in. GPT is capable of writing code, generating business ideas, teaching, preparing for exams, composing songs in any style, solving scientific problems and explaining complex concepts in easy manner. It's possible to feel lost or frightened by the pace of LLM's development, especially if you haven't followed its progress from the beginning. I don't believe that AI will completely replace human workers, Yes, it may result in the loss of certain jobs, but it will simultaneously create new ones. For instance, at Hints, we were looking for a copywriter, but when I discovered GPT, we removed this position. That's one job already. Most of the emails I send and blog posts are generated by GPT. Even the script for this podcast was edited by GPT. I drafted the first version of it with a ton of mistakes, I was very quick, very sloppy, and then I asked GPT to be an editor, to correct my grammar and stylistic mistakes, and walk me through the editing process. Basically, it acted as an editor and English tutor, not only correcting the text, but also explaining why it was incorrect in the first place. I use GPT to prepare for client meetings and investor pitches by feeding it a lot of information on hints as well as the client or investor, and asking it to act as either a client or investor. It asks me questions and I reply to them, then it asks me follow-up questions, like a mock interview. Using GPT saves me hours every week, which I can invest in something more important and be more productive than people who don't use GPT. GPT became popular about a year ago, but imagine the development difference between people who have been using it for, let's say, five years and those who don't use. I guess that was the point Harari made in the quote I started with. So, keeping up with the latest developments in AI is crucial if you don't want to be left behind. The current state of LLMs is only beginning. Until recently, the model was contained within a what's called the Chinese room. The Chinese room is a thought experiment in a philosophy of mind. The experiment imagines a person who doesn't understand Chinese but is given a set of rules in English to manipulate Chinese characters. The person is then able to respond to questions in Chinese, given the appearance of understanding the language. 
However, the person doesn't actually understand the language, but is simply following a set of rules. The experiment is meant to challenge the idea that a computer could truly understand language and have consciousness, even if it can simulate intelligent behavior through the use of algorithms and rules. Basically, it means that GPT isn't an artificial general intelligence, short AGI, but merely mimics it. AGI is a form of AI that can reason, plan, learn, and communicate in a way that is indistinguishable from a human being's cognitive abilities. And I agree that right now GPT is just a Chinese rule. But this Chinese rule is gaining traction and expanding its capabilities. Recently, OpenAI introduced its plugins, effectively turning GPT into an app store where every app will empower the model to do certain actions in the real world. Now, it's possible to ask the model for a recipe and order all ingredients from Instacart. Soon, it will be possible to book Uber or purchase airline tickets. In less than a year, GPT will become the ultimate personal assistant with countless use cases. Our startup, Hints, is at the forefront of this development. We use GPT's brain and build arms around it by connecting it to your messenger apps and work tools such as Notion, ClickUp, Jira, HubSpot, Trello, Obsidian, Google Calendar, etc. This allows it to interact with software via voice or text commands from your messenger. You can ask it to create or update a task, CRM, contacts, or send a meeting summary to your Notion. You don't need to learn specific commands. You can simply type in your messenger app or say a phrase, and GPT will understand what you need. These use cases are awesome and will save you time and energy, but let's get back to a bigger picture. The ultimate goal of OpenAI is to achieve artificial general intelligence, and we are getting closer every day. I won't be surprised if in 5-10 years an LLM such as GPT, or maybe one of their competitors, may be the governor of California. And no jokes here, I really believe in it. So what's GPT? What is it? How does it work? GPT, or General Pre-trained Transformer, is a deep learning model that employs a transformer architecture to generate natural language text. I know it sounds pretty complicated, but let's break down this definition by words and explain what each one means. So what is a deep learning model? It's a type of neural network. But what's a neural network? A neural network is a machine learning model that is inspired by the structure and function of the human brain. To better understand neural learning, and deep learning. Let's first start with the basic. What is machine learning in general? Let's take a simple linear function. y equals wx plus b. You input x and it calculates y. For example, our task is to predict the price of an apartment in New York City based on its size. So you input x, which is the size, and it outputs y, which is the price. In school, we are often given the exact function value, such as y equals 3x plus 2. It means we already know w and b. But in real life, we often don't know the function. Suppose you have a data set with apartment sizes and their corresponding prices in New York. You download it from Zillow. Or if you actually live in New York, you download it from StreetEasy. And you want to find the function so you can know the price for any given apartment even if it's not in the dataset. Why is it called machine learning? 
because we don't know what values of W and B to use in this function, and they are calculated by the machine automatically. Moreover, this W and B are not fixed. If we obtain more data on these apartments, the W and B will be refined by the machine. How do we use data to get this W and B and as a result find a function that predicts the price? By the way, function and model here are pretty much the same meaning. You divide your data set into two sets, 80% for training and 20% for testing. To train the model, you use the training set. There are many open libraries that you can use to build this model with a given data set. You start with random values for W and B, run the data for the function, and check the error between the predicted prices and the actual prices in the training set. The function is then updated to minimize the error. You repeat this process several times until the function makes accurate prediction on the training set. Once the model has been trained, you can use the testing set to evaluate its performance on new data. The model can be updated to improve its accuracy with new data. Suppose you obtain additional data on apartment prices. You can use it to retrain the model and refine the values of W and B. So instead of manually trying to find this function, you can feed the data you have to a specific algorithms that finds the function for you and then keeps updating it when you have new data. Fun fact, you don't need to know Python or any other languages to build the simple model. Ask GPT how to do it and it will give you step-by-step -step instruction. So, one more time. You download actual data, feed it to the model, the model trained itself, validates its own accuracy with a test sample. Then you can use it to predict whatever you want to predict. This is machine learning. But it was a simple example with just two parameters, price and apartment size. Let's dive into the topic of neural networks, which are slightly more complex from machine learning used for more advanced scenarios than the previous one. The name neural comes from the fact that it consists of interconnected neurons or nodes that process information and generate output. Essentially, it operates on the same principle as the previous example, but with multiple calculations performed simultaneously. Each neuron acts as a basic unit of computation. To illustrate it, consider a simple neural network with two layers, input and output. In the output layer, there is only one neuron. In a neural network, a neuron calculates a weighted sum of the inputs followed by a non-linear activation function. This may appear complicated, but again, it can be seen as a more advanced version of y equals wb plus m. This may appear complicated, but again, it can be seen as more advanced version of y equals wx plus b. Suppose you wish to train a neural network to predict the price of a used car based on its mileage, age, and number of previous owners. So mileage, age, and number of previous owners will be the input parameters. During the training process, the weights associated with each input parameter would be learned. Then, you must decide which activation function to use. In most cases, there are only four activation functions that can be used. Building this neural network is like playing with Lego blocks. You combine them, check for errors, and adjust until it works correctly. Let's now return to the definition of GPT, which is deep learning model that uses a transformer architecture. 
What is deep learning? In the context of deep learning, deep means that a neural network has multiple hidden layers. These layers enable the network to learn more complex representations of input data, which is crucial for handling complicated use cases. The purpose of hidden layers in deep learning is to extract increasingly abstract and complex features from the data by processing inputs through multiple layers of nodes. Each layer learns to extract more abstract and complex features from the data, which becomes the input to the next layer. As a result, the network can learn higher-level representations of the data. Now I can explain to you how hidden layers are important by using the TensorFlow Playground. You can just Google TensorFlow Playground. This is a very nice tool to illustrate how neural networks work. The task is to train a machine learning model to classify dots in a circle as either blue or yellow, based on their position. I know it will be hard to follow listening this audio, but I really recommend you to Google for TensorFlow Playground and just see yourself how easy to understand how neural networks work. The input feature are the X and Y coordinates of each dot, and the target variable is the color of the dot. In simple words, we give it a data set and it trains to find the pattern. You will see a parameter called epoch. It's a complete pass through the entire training dataset during the training process. We can add neurons and layers and change the activation functions in this playground. You will see there are only four activation functions there. So you'll see test loss, which shows how accurate the prediction is on the testing set, and the training loss, which shows how accurate the prediction on your training set. You can start with a simple data set where the pattern is very straightforward and see how quickly the function will recognize the pattern. But you can switch to different datasets with more complicated patterns and see how harder and harder it will be for the neural network to understand the pattern. So you may try adding new layers and new neurons to see how every new layer and neuron will improve the neural network. So by doing this, you can understand why hidden layers are important and how exactly they help the neural network to understand more sophisticated patterns. We're discussing functions, models, and parameters, but what about language? How can we calculate words and phrases using neural networks? It's actually quite simple. We can assign each English word a unique combination of numbers, known as vectors. When we think about vectors in three dimensions, it's straightforward. Each dot in our rooms in our apartment has just three coordinates. We can calculate the distance between any two dots in the room using a simple formula. However, we can do the same thing in the four-dimensional, ten-dimensional, and even hundred-dimensional space. Nothing changes. Instead of three coordinates, we have 100, but the formula remains the same. If we treat words and phrases as vectors, we can also calculate the distance between them using the same formula. In this case, the distance won't be physical. It will be semantic. If we see a word as a vector, we can apply the same neural network models. There are around 170,000 words in English, and an average sentence has 15 words. 
So the neural network that can understand how all words are connected should be very sophisticated. For example, GPT-3 has 175 billion parameters and 192 hidden layers to find patterns in how these vectors are connected. Now, the last piece of the definition is what does the word transformer mean? Traditional language models, the old ones, suffered from certain limitations, such as difficulty in capturing long-term dependencies in an input phrase. In other words, if you ask the model how AWS servers work, and then ask the follow-up question, the model might forget the context and think you're asking about a server in a restaurant. Transformers were designed to address these issues by allowing the model to selectively attend to different parts of the input phrases. So it's a more complicated neural network where neurons interact with each other in a certain way. This allows the model to better capture long-term dependencies and maintain a more complete understanding of the input sentence. We have now covered all the pieces and can see a big picture. Obviously, in every piece, there were so many important details that I missed, and I'm sure there were inaccuracies in my explanation. But the goal was to show that GPT isn't that mysterious, and I hope the whole topic of large language models and neural networks makes more sense now. At the end of the day, it's not rocket science. Yes, not too many people can understand all the small details, but it's not necessary unless you build your own AGI or LLM. There are hundreds of open-source models available on the market today. When we launched Hints in 2021, we were using different models from Hugging Face. It's a marketplace for AI models, before we switched to GPT in the beginning of 2022. Why is GPT so special? First, it costs a lot of money to train this model. The more layers and parameters a neural network has, the more compute it requires. That's why OpenAI, the developers of GPT, partnered with Microsoft so they could use their servers. But that's not all. The model is trained on data from the internet and different open sources. And this data isn't necessarily accurate. So to avoid major mistakes, you need to evaluate the neural network. Researchers build the reward model that provides feedback on how well the model is doing at the task. OpenAI uses RLHF, Reinforcement Learning from Human Feedback, which involves training a reward model directly from human feedback. This approach involves presenting generated text to people who provide feedback on the quality of the text. The reward model that uses this feedback to adjust the language model, effectively learning from human corrections. While RLHF has the potential to improve the accuracy and coherence of language models, it's a very expensive process. It requires a large number of human evaluators to provide feedback on generated text. And the process of integrating this feedback into the language model can be time-consuming and extremely expensive. In short, to build a great broad language model nowadays, you need a lot of money. But for narrow specific cases, you can still use simple open source models which, by the way, you can train using GPT. For instance, we use GPT for our open version of Hints, but we also train several smaller models for specific use cases. 
for our B2B clients. Another advantage is that these smaller models can be hosted locally, which addresses a lot of privacy and security issues for enterprise clients. Now, let me show you some great examples of using GPT that I promised at the beginning of this podcast. You can use GPT either directly, you can just Google ChatGPT, or you can use Hints. Hints was essentially built to control your software on your behalf, but we also added a GPT conversational mode to our bots. It's the same GPT, but available from your phone on Telegram, WhatsApp, Slack, and SMS. Just go to our website, hints.so, and you can set up your own bot. Do you remember at the beginning of this podcast, I said that GPT and AI in general may remove some of the professions, but also it can create new ones. So one of the new professions, which is already here, can be called prompt engineer. Prompt is the way how you communicate with the model. So it's basically the phrase that you send as your input and you expect to get some output from the model. And prompt engineering means that you understand how to communicate with the model in the most efficient way. So I'll give you a couple of examples. You can start with something simple. For instance, you can ask the model what the word deep and the deep learning means. And it will explain you all detail. You can ask a lot of follow-up questions. So basically, it's like having a very smart tutor that can find the best words to explain extremely sophisticated things. If you don't understand something, you can reply, explain it again, but please make it easier. Or my favorite one, explain it to me as I am 10 years old. By the way, this is a great prompt, which helps a lot when you ask something about science, physics. I don't know if you ask what is general relativity or black hole, explain it to me like I am 10 years old. You will get extremely simple, but still great explanations. You can also use GPT as a personal interview coach, as I used in the beginning of this episode. So I'll give you an exact prompt that you can use. You can just type in, you will ask me interview questions for the position detailed in my next message. I want you to only reply as the interviewer. Don't write all the conversation at once. Ask me the questions and wait for my answers. Don't write explanations. Ask me the questions one by one, waiting for my answers. So this is a very sophisticated prompt. Basically, the way how you communicate with the model, explaining what exactly you expect from it. If you send this prompt and then you send a job description, the model will start asking you questions one by one, and you will feel like uh, it's a mock interview. You can be prepared for your actual interview. You can ask GPT to act as a copywriter and create an email subject title or and draft the entire email for you, draft a blog post. So the limit is your imagination here. You can ask it to do anything. You can even ask it to write code. As I already used this example at the beginning, you can send it the explanation of your experiment or your data set, what data you have, and ask it to help you to code the actual ML model so you can just see the instruction, how to open different application and how to build your model without even understanding how it works. If you don't understand something, you can just 
ask a follow-up question, like, what do you mean by this? Where can I find this exactly? It's hard to give all these examples in audio, but I highly recommend either go to ChatGPT and just play with it or download one of our bots at hints.so. And I hope you will catch up very quickly with all the recent developments and can start using GPT or hints connected to GPT to save you a lot of time and energy. I hope it was useful and you will start playing with GPT soon. Thank you. Bye.